Today on this episode on the Goof Duck Podcast, Remy and Joey head out to home sweet home to the Crooked Can Brewing Company in Winter Garden, Florida to do another podcast episode. Today on the Goof Duck Podcast, we're going to talk about Mickey and Minnie Railway Runaway attraction that just opened up to the public at Disney's Hollywood Studios. The Goof Duck Podcast is doing something new. This is part one of our music segment where we bring in musicians from the central Florida area and we listen to their stories. So sit back relax, enjoy that drink in your hand and get ready for Goof Duck right here on Spotify. Enjoy. Welcome to the Goof Duck Podcast. This is the podcast where you can get all of your theme park information whether it's information on the rides, shows, restaurants, and different food options in the parks or at the resorts. The Crooked Can Brewing Company in Winter Garden, Florida is a proud sponsor and home for the Goof Duck Podcast. This podcast is for everybody whether you like the theme parks or not. We're Goof Duck we do what we do. Now ladies and gentlemen make sure we all have a drink in our hands because you are now listening to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify with your hosts Remy and Joey. Enjoy. Welcome to the Goof Duck Podcast. This one is for a Friday. Friday, March, what is it, March 6th? Yeah, today's Friday. So, Friday. Friday. (laughs) That's right. Today's Friday, March 6th in the year 2020. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Remy. I am the host of the Goof Duck Podcast, and always with me is the Dragon of Zant. What's up, family? Pleasure. Guys, Guys, we are home sweet home in the words of joey here we are at the crooked cam brewing company Absolutely. in winter garden florida about a couple blocks down from pilar's so right you guys want to that's now. right uh guys we brought in a very special guest we're gonna get into the theme parks later on but we brought in a very and a very special guest today uh he's a very close friend of mine he's a great one of the greatest drummers in in the central florida area uh guys please give it up for mr mark claremont mark what's going on man hey guys how's it going man not much, not much. Thank you so much, man. There are a million things you could be doing on a Friday, and you came out here to hang oh, out. Oh, man, I'm glad to be hanging <laughs> yeah. with all the guys having a... Cheers, that's right, gentlemen, right here. That's right. Talking about uh, whatever we're going to talk about. I love it, man. Music, life, everything. So here's what we're going to do, man. We're going to start with you. So what what made you get into, you know, drumming? Uh, what made you come to uh, to the Central Florida area and start, you know, doing gigs? And, you know, what made you become, you know... Well, drum it, go, it goes all the way back from where I, I was born in the islands. Uh, I, I, I'm from uh, I'm from Haiti originally, Port-au-Prince, and I came here when I was about eight years old. Uh, moved to New York City. Uh, I was exposed to drums. I was exposed to local hand drummers, and never saw a drum set or anything. Just hand drummers, and I was just fascinated by you know the skill and the and the concentration and the the energy that came off those guys as a kid. I was like four years old. And I saw it. I was like, mouth open, you know, like, wow. No, and wow. When I moved to New York City uh, in the 60s, right, I was probably about eight years old, and I was exposed to a lot of music. And, and uh, we lived in Manhattan at the time. I was about two blocks from uh, Central Park, and uh, not too far from the Museum of Natural History. So I got to see a lot of cool stuff, but I got in drum and bugle corps because I, I really wanted to be a musician, I don't know. Yeah. Something, was pull, something was pulling at me, you know, 
and then I saw a marching band. I was like, oh, man, I want to do that, right? <laughs> so I got into Boy Scouts, and then I got into the, like a drum and bugle corps thing. So I started playing bugle. That's when I first started learning how to read music. Oh, wow. And, and then uh, with the Boy Scouts, we would go out on these uh, on these uh, uh, trips and outings and stuff. And I was the guy, since I played an instrument, I was the guy that got to play Revelry in the morning to wake everybody up. <laughs> so the guy hated me, man. I was, I was getting up That's awesome. playing the bugle, playing Revelry. Oh, man. And everybody would be like, oh, man, that kid, you know. Can you imagine playing the horn like out of Magic Kingdom, waking every single cast member like? But, but that's every kid's first song. I play trumpet, and that's like every kid's first song because right. he doesn't have to use vowels. Right. He's holding that thing. And yeah, right. That's right. Front, I love it. Um, with you being from New York, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you something because I'm a bit of a music nerd. Have you ever been to the CBG? You know, I was uh, I was much younger then. Okay. And I was just getting exposed to you know, like I said, playing in. Uh, and band and stuff. I wasn't even playing drums, you know. I was, like, oh, wow. I was okay. playing uh, the bugle. But then I remember I was also uh, not only uh, uh, playing with the drum and bugle corps, but I was also on the soccer team. So I remember that one day we had a big soccer match, and I had a big parade, and I had to make a decision. Oh, crud. players on the soccer team, and but I was also, they needed someone to play bass drum, right? Oh. And so... I wasn't going to play bugle, I was going to play drums. I was like, oh man, I was so excited, right? <laughs> cool. And then I, I made the choice that day well, uh, to, to not play soccer on the team and to go on the parade. And I was going to Catholic school at the time, so I remember our coach was one of the brothers. And I wow. remember him going absolutely <laughs> ballistic. Just in the corner, like yelling at me, screaming, you're going to do what? <laughs> I'm sorry, huh? <laughs> you're going to go play the bass drum? You're a starting player. I was like, man. Coach, I, I'm sorry, but. I was actually uh... <laughs> getting sick of playing soccer because I was a good soccer player, but a lot of the kids, you know, this was in the 60s, so nobody was really playing soccer. Yeah. So the guys that were playing soccer, I frustrated the heck out of them because I was good, and I would dribble the ball and get it all around them. And so their solution was to just kick me in the shins. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, man, I'm done with this. <laughs> Yay! In your defense, I actually had a buddy. Um, I graduated in 2000 uh, from high school, and I had a buddy that I played soccer with as well. I was really into. I was a uh, defense. I was a sweeper. I just like being the guy that took out the legs. Yeah. And oh, timeout. Speaking of the man, actually, we're not taking. We don't have to take a break. Speaking about, speaking about the man of the hour, we got Cole here yeah, from yeah, the Kruger Cam Brewing Company. Dude, this IPA is phenomenal. Yeah, the, the new one, the URIPA? Yes. Yeah. Well done, sir. Are you the owner, sir? I'm not. Oh, I'm not. Okay. He's a GL. <laughs> I, I play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, somebody's got to do that. He is the GL. Yeah, yeah. Well, they would just tell me that they met. They, they met the owner. We were talking about you. We're like, hey, wait, you know what? This show my head all swollen up. When you came in, I was like, oh, hey, this got to be the guy. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, man. Um, We're super excited about that uh, beer. It was uh, um, done with our, our ladies on the team. Actually, Jess is behind the bar today. She had a big part in making this beer. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, we will. That one right there? Uh-huh. So uh, if anybody is, uh, you know where we're at here in uh, scenic, beautiful downtown Winter Garden, Florida. If you swing by Crooked Can, say hi to Jess. Try the, what was it? The you are our IPA. IPA. It's a lot of initials, and they all mean something beautiful. Come say hi to Jess and thank her. This is delicious. So what's the uh, what's the hoppiness on the uh, you are IPA? So it was, um, what did, I believe it was uh, 60 IBUs. 
Wow. Okay. It's not bad at all. Yeah, no, it's, it's chewy, though. It's, it's chewy, chewy so it's, it's got some great, you know, cashmere hops. It's got, uh, uh, you got a citra in there. And, and, and there's four or five different hop styles that were in that. So uh, we got to talk to you. We, we want to have a, a sit-down with, like, a guy like you. Oh, yeah. This stuff. We want to run out the barrel room one night. We're going to bring, like, 20 or 30 people in. And we want you to just give, like, a real brief presentation about how cool the beer are. And then we're just going to go nuts. So I'm going to talk to you off the mic about that because I Me have well. a big plan. Sure, sure. Can, can we do it on a night when this isn't normally open? Is that something you could make happen? It's very possible, yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. Then we'll get... We'll That'd be great. That. Um, dude, thank you so much yeah. for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, man. Yeah. Yeah. See you around, man. Yep. If you guys are around when this opens, we're doing... Uh, Barrel-aged scotch ale today. Oh, oh that sounds good. We might, we might be still be around. We might still be here. How many drinks I have while I'm doing my paperwork? All right, all right. Of course, the voice you just heard, Carly. He's the he runs the he's the brewmaster here. He makes the tea out. He is. Yep, he is the GM of Kirk Can. That's right, man. Oh yeah, we'll try it out. Backing up uh, the reverse machine, as I was saying when I was in high school, uh, my buddy Paul that played soccer with me, um, great guy, really, really skilled soccer player, so good, but he was also the kicker for the football team. Oh, wow. And he had to make those decisions because soccer and football overlapped. Right. And we're like, hey, man, we're going to go play soccer. And he's like, cool. So I know that our team is like two and seven, and I know we have a good shot to win tonight. But I could probably make a living kicking, so sorry. I'm the same thing. Coach would guilt trip him all the oh, time, man. and he's like, Dude, "You have to choose." He goes, "Then I choose kicker." Sorry, see you later. And it's like, that's what and he can't like, dang. What did you have to choose? That's what that's what the guy told me. You know, he told me too. He, my coach, he says, "You're gonna have to make a decision today. Are you playing soccer? or Are you gonna play bass drum?" It's like, do you want to be a <laughs> drum bro all the damn day? I went with the bass drum. It, it, it's like you know, it's like, do you want to be an athlete? <laughs> because of the background. I know, I didn't know how it was. I lasted the whole parade, but then I was like, oh man, I gotta rethink this. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us something cool. Have you ever, um, uh, who's the most famous musician you've ever had a jam session with? Man, I, I've been really blessed throughout my many years to, to have gotten to play with, with some of people I looked up to or I listened to okay. when I was growing up. Um, I want to say probably some of the fam- fam- most famous people that I've played with, uh, uh, I mean, not on, a, not on a gig or a tour or anything, but okay. just jam. Okay. You know, like John Entwistle of the No, Who, oh my gosh. Uh, dude. Jeff Beck. What? Eddie Van Halen. What? Some of those guys. Oh my gosh, dude. Uh, on the jazz side, maybe, uh, you know, Iris Sullivan. Yes. Oh, dude. Uh, uh, Al Hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Got cool. the jam with him. Actually, I... Al Hurd came to jam with the, the trio I was playing. Funny story, I was working for George Steinbrenner at a hotel. Nice. At a, at a hotel in uh, Tampa. And I was working there with a trio, a cool trio. And we had a lead singer, trumpet player, uh, vocalist. He's passed away a couple of years ago. Great musician, a guy by the name of Ralph Loveday. So I was playing with him and uh, got into the gig. And it was time to start, and he was late. He was late getting there. So I was late. That's his gig, so uh, we, we had the trio with him and a, and a keyboard player kicking pedals and left hand and everything. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, you know what, it's time to play, let's go play. And a guy came up to us and said, hey, listen, um, I had a friend of mine here, he's a really a good trumpet player, and I told him about the trumpet player that played here and you guys, and I brought him to see you guys, but he's not here, is he coming tonight? I said, yeah, he's coming, but he's, he's a little late getting here. So he said, well, do you mind if my buddy comes up and plays a couple of tunes with you guys? 
I said, sure. You know, I didn't ask the guy's name or anything. I just said, well, sure, just have him come up. You know, so he came up and he said, hey, how you doing? And now, if you know what Al Hurt looks like, he's a mm. big heavy city, yeah. big, yeah. thick beard. Yeah. You know, everybody knows him from playing New Orleans. Patrick, oh, yeah, yeah. O'Brien's whatever. And so this guy came up. He, he was probably 80 pounds lighter, no beard, clean shaven. I would have ne- never recognized him, you know. So he came up and said, yeah, I just, so we called out a couple of tunes. We were playing. We got to about three or four tunes. By then, the band leader comes in. He's like, man, these guys, like, don't need me. <laughs> 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 and, 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 you know, he played, like, about 40 minutes with us, you know. And then I said, hey, man, what's your name? I want to I wanna say thank you. And he goes, oh, my name's the hi. I'm Al Hurt. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. I, just did, I just did 40 minutes with Al Hurt, and I didn't even know. That's awesome. It was a trip. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. Dude, I'm telling you, those the, are the best stories. Those man. are. When you hear about the people that, like, that happen to me, I still tell families whenever I'm a concierge in the city of Orlando, I take families to theme parks and things gosh. like that. And one of the coolest gigs, I'm, I'm not a big movie guy. I've always been kind of a music nerd. I don't really follow a lot of current events because I'm busy. So I was working at the Hard Rock uh, in Orlando. I'll tell you a story about the Hard Rock. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Yay! So, my manager goes, hey, we got a couple of Bayless celebrities coming in. Uh, they're going to have a plethora of security guards and tour guides, and there's going to be about eight of them. So, we want you to show them the VIP service and show them around the building. And I said, oh, who is it? And he said, trust me, you'll recognize them the minute they walk through the door. And they walk through the door, and it's these two twin brothers, and they've got red hair, and they were tall. And the one I want to say was wearing, like, a Man U jersey, and I go... Oh my gosh, I'll bet these guys play for Manchester United. They're, they're tall and they're British and they're, you know. I walk over and I was like, hi guys, uh, just so you know, my name's Joey. I'm going to be taking you around the, the building later. Let me show you your table. I showed him the table. And I can't wait to hang out with you. We're going to have so much fun. Uh, I'll see you when you're done. <clears throat> they drop the check. They get everything covered. I take them around the building. I was with them for an hour and a half, showing them all the cool memorabilia. They leave, and the two girls behind the counter, they couldn't have been 22 years old. They're freaking out, and they're... they're Shattering their bubble, and I go, What's up? They go, Oh my gosh, what were they like? I'm like, They were cool, they were two really nice guys. We talked about the Beatles for about an hour, great guys. And they go, You know who that was, right? And I go, I'm guessing maybe they play for Man U, and they're like, What? I'm like, Well, the one guy had a jersey, those are the Weasley twins. I said, Oh, what? What, what's a Weasley? Well, well, how do you not know? And I'm like, What's a What's, Harry, a, Harry what's a Weasley? Like, they're like, you've never seen the Harry Potter movies? And I'm like, maybe movies have those books? I'm like, okay, <laughs> those are movies. I'm like, I have no idea. I think they were so nice. I still talk to them. Oh, to this day, they come to town like once a year, and I talk oh, to James. Funny. James Phelps is the one brother's name. He hits me up via email. You know, hey, man, I'm in town. You want to go grab a beer? And I'm like, okay, we'll go have a beer. And we'll go to your Let's party. do it. You funny, never would have known. I was like, I'm, I'm oblivious. It was so cool. They were super nice. We ended up going out for karaoke later that night. They were just a couple of cool guys. But... Like, you never know. It's mm-hmm. funny how the most regular dude, you're like, oh, yeah, you're pretty good at whatever this is. What do you do? Holy crap, you're famous. You're I like, wish oh. I would have known that. So, well, wait a minute. Hey, okay. But, but then you would have acted differently. Yeah. <laughs> but then it well, shows you how no. they are. Because at any given point, they could have shut down the conversation. Because you hear about those celebrities. They shut well, down the I've conversation. Oh. Oh. I get you. That's what you was like, by the way, just that you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a somebody. And those are the people that you're like, I've never heard of you, man. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm not and, trying to be mean. I tell even you. if I had heard Did, of you. Do I know you? you no. Know. Yeah, it's like the fact that you had to introduce yourself, you must not be that famous. So, 
Uh, well, you man. know, I, I, when the Hard Rock, before it opened, mm -hmm. uh, they, they put together a corporate band called Evolution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was part of that group. Like, we're talking... 2009, but uh, so Mike Franklin got me to be part of that group, and we backed up just about everybody. I got to play with Melanie. You know, she had uh, many hits back in the day. She was one of the original artists in Woodstock. And one of her big wow. hits was, uh, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, yes. Yeah. So she had, I didn't realize. You got I, a brand new key. That was the line. Right. Yes. So until I played with her, I didn't realize how many hits that she had had. She had like a couple dozen hits. So we ended up playing the. 30-year Woodstock reunion up in Bethel, New York. Wow. Uh, oh, my gosh. Probably a, f a few miles from the original site, which was Yasgur's farm. Yep. So we did it. It was called A Day in the Park. So we did that. And we, all kinds of people I got to meet, like Richie Havens, Arlo Guthrie, uh, hung out with, you know, Mountain. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Felix Papillardi from Mountain, I'd love, oh, he, he shot gone. you. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but Leslie West was there, the oh, cool. and Corky Lang, one of my, you know, uh, idols growing up. Of course. You know, I used to like Wes Bruce and Lang, you know, uh, oh. uh, Jack Bruce on bass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Corky Lang on drums and Leslie West on guitar. It was, that was a great power trio. I always say about, the thing about, about um, what was it, uh, Richie Havens was that he was basically open Woodstock. I remember hearing that story that I used to, when I worked, they used to tell us that story all the time about how Richie Havens, most of the bands were late and they couldn't get there because it was so crowded. And he walks out on stage and he's playing Freedom. And like, every time he would look to the right, the manager, the stage manager would, would make the motion to keep going. Keep He'd spin his hand like, keep going, keep yeah, going. Keep and going. he goes, Freedom, everybody on the left. Freedom, everybody on the right. Freedom. And they just kept going and go because he's waiting for the more acts to show up. And they're like, just drag this out. It was like a 42 minute version of Freedom. They're like, just wow. keep going. So, I almost got to go to the original Woodstock. The original? Yeah. yeah, I was 12 years old. Really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. well, it's funny. I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Right around that time, mm -hmm. you know, this was uh, 68, 69. Um, as a 12, 13-year-old kid, I could take a Greyhound bus and travel and go visit relatives. I remember that right when they were having Woodstock, you know, I wanted to go, but my parents wouldn't let me. But they let me take a bus to go to Canada to go to go spend two weeks with relatives. Oh, and, I, and as a kid, I did that by myself. You couldn't do that now. I sent a no way. Kid no. That, no. Rest the parents. You know? Yep. Yeah. Well, you're right. My nephew was allowed to take an Uber to see me three miles down the road because of that. Yeah. Like, the Uber driver shows up. He's like, I'm sorry. You have to be at least 18 to get in my car. So yep. Right. I, I'm going to be on the phone with him the whole time. And they're like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm like, all right. I guess yeah, I got to go pick him up. Like, Crazy times. So that was uh, that was wild. You know, wow. Doing a 30 years reunion at Woodstock, you can actually see some of the performances. Um, we played. We did a, a day in the park. We did a performance. That was probably the biggest crowd I've ever played for. Almost 100,000 people. Ooh. And I actually, I'd been playing many years, but I walked out on stage and I had, had a huge knot in my stomach just from looking out there and going, "That's a lot of folks." But once I counted off and started playing, everything was cool. So we did that show, and then we actually 
went that evening to Yazga's farm. Oh, wow. So they were having concerts there all night. It was like a Sawani festival. You know, people oh, were wow. camp, camped out and everything. And so when I got there, the Yazga's farm, he had a, um, uh, he had like a big, I'm going to say, it wasn't uh, a barn or anything like that, but it, it was, it, it had like two stages on it. It looked like an old barn. Rad. But, but they had bands playing all, all day and all night. It was like one band would play, the other band would be setting up, and then it was a continuous thing all night. Wow. So I did a, we ended up going on at midnight or something like that and played probably, I don't know, like, a couple dozen songs. So it's the last from like so so from your set would be like from twelve o'clock to what two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, probably two in the morning. That's oh wow! Can you imagine? That's but what everybody's awake, you know. And it's just a big. Have you ever been to Swanee? No, I haven't. I've been I've been through um so I I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that was always the big joke is that me and my buddies would always say, dude, four and a half hours north is Niagara Falls. Canada, everything flies. And that was the big joke, is as a kid, you could be 18, 19 and drive to Canada, and you'd pass through New York, and it was always funny. You're right up PA, you pass through New York, you go to Niagara Falls, and you could do, man, New York is a party. If it wasn't for the weather, I'd probably live there. Yeah. Well, I grew up there. I grew up in New York. And, and left New York in the late 60s, moved to Chicago, and then from Chicago, I, I ended up, you know, I ended up coming down to Florida, probably in so, music scene in Chicago. I mean, we're that's where I started professionally. Okay. I was gonna ask because Motown is all about the rhythm section. Like, if you if you were a drummer in a rock band, you there there. I mean, there was only a thirty percent chance you could hold a candle to the Motown drum scene because that was all about percussion and rhythm. What was that like? Well, you know, at the time I was playing in Chicago when I started. I actually started as a professional musician there at fifteen. I lived on the South Side where there were a lot of youth centers. So places for kids to hang out, and also a, a place for, for bands to go perform. So I played in a band that uh, we just rehearsed all the time. Actually played in two bands. Before I played in that particular band, I can't even, it'll take me a while. Yeah. I can't even remember what we called ourselves, you know. I, I'd have to uh, dig the data banks, you know. But uh, there was a band that I was a part of. I played percussion. And I remember uh, these guys, they rehearsed for six months. They learned the whole first side of uh, Yes, Close to the Edge. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's a great album. That's a great they album. They rehearsed it, and then, and then I just hung out with them, you know, and then they knew I played. They said, well, man, it'd be nice to have some percussion on this, too. So they added me into the band. That's kind of like how I started. Wow. And I remember when we would go to do these performances, the keyboard player owned B3, right? Oh, no. And we practiced in his basement. So I remember <laughs> every gig we had, six of us would, would like lift this B3 yep. and carry it up the oh, stairs. Yeah. Right? And then I, I wasn't driving, so every time I had a gig, my little brother and I would get a couple of grocery cards and we would put all my drums in it and just kind of push him in the snow, you know? I love it. My dad used to tell me stories about um, him and his brothers and their buddies had a band back in 1977 and the rule in Pennsylvania was you weren't allowed to be in a bar if you were under the age of 18 unless your parents were there. And so it was my dad and his brother Danny and my uncle Louie and his brother Michael because these two sets of brothers and they had a band and my grandparents on my dad's side and then of course my uncle Louie, his parents were always like, just call me grandma and grandpa, they're so sweet Italian families, you know how they are. And so 
the grandparents would have to sit in the bar and drink beers and watch their little boys perform at age 13 to 17. Well. <laughs> because you had to be an apparent. If, if, if the parents didn't show up, you they weren't allowed to play in that bar. Really? And they were young. They were kids. But they were playing all these old, like, classic rock covers. Wow. And, and it was cool. So well, you, know, you can get away with that when you're... You can. Right you, you can. I mean, I, I lived in a, uh, I lived in Queens in New York. I, li I lived in uh, Jamaica, Queens. Okay. And that was a neighborhood where uh, there were a lot of a lot of musicians, a lot of really good musicians came out of that area, like Marcus Miller. Yeah. Uh, you know, a bunch of those people. At the time, I didn't know any. You know, I didn't meet any of those guys or, or know any of them. But that's kind of like the area where I, I had some friends that got me started playing. You know. So uh, I started getting real serious about it. I was probably about 13, 14, and just jamming all the time. And then when I moved to Chicago, I already had experience. So I met some other guys that were already professional musicians. Oh, wow. And some of them were a year, year or two older than me, but some were my age. But they were already working. So because I had experience from being in New York and playing with a lot of guys in my neighborhood, um, I started getting gigs, you know. Probably first... First song I ever sang, yeah, was uh, uh, like a Black Sabbath song. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> the song "Snowblind." That's uh, a good tune. It was the first song I ever sang. <laughs> right? Like paranoid. Uh, I mean, it was funny because the band did everything from from Chicago, "I'm a Man" to uh, mm -hmm. you know Black Sabbath to War Pigs. I mean, we did everything, man. That's that makes me happy. Yeah. So, so 15 years old, you know, we we, we have a song list of uh, just. Any, anything. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this song. All right, we'll do it. I was, I was getting a laugh out of that, like when you talk to like people that have memories of like music from the 1960s. Oh yeah. The thought that like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones were both considered rock and roll, and it was told to me, my you know buddy of mine was like, the Beatles and the Stones being rock and roll would be like In Sync and Slipknot <laughs> being in the same genre, right? Like back right. then, they were subgenres. There was pop. No, there was, and even pop was basically pop rock. Yeah. And then there was punk, and there was country, and then that, that was it. Like, that and was your... To be honest with you, you know, that started with marketing in this country, because uh, the era that I was growing up and living and listening to music, mm -hmm. you could turn on the radio and hear anything. Mm -hmm. Hear just about anything. It wasn't rock radio, it wasn't jazz, it wasn't country, it was whatever was played at the time. I mean, of course, there were some radio stations that played primarily... R&B stuff, you know, okay. or, but it was, it's just like it is in Europe now, I mean, it's like, yeah. you turn on the radio, you might hear country tune, the next song, a classical tune, or, you know, yeah. we, but because of marketing, and if you think about the Mad Men era, yeah. you know, we're all about, like, the marketing, of, and, and, you know, when you start marketing music, it makes it easy for someone who's not a musician to be able to sell it, yep. but for the musician, man, it's like a... You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> and that was why they got rid of um, pay to play in the 70s. That was when they had to get rid of that because back in the day it was like, hey, um, I'm here from Geffen Records. I'm here from, you know, Trinity Records. I mean, I'm going to give you $100,000 and you're going to play. You're going to play my artist. You're going to play my right. artist at least twice artist. an hour. And they're like, okay. The problem was, if you're an up and coming artist, you couldn't get airplay. So they had to outlaw pay to play. And that was why that was outlawed back hmm. in the day. Because back in the day, um, God rest him, uh, my, my, the guy who got me started in music, Chuck Stevens, Dr. Chuck Stevens, he was one of the Beach Boys. Oh, wow. And that's the guy who discovered me and got me started in music. Greatest guy, was a guy, again, God rest him. He has over 150 gold records and over 50 platinum albums that are RCAA certified because he was a radio DJ. He did um, Breakfast with the Beatles with 
Ringo Starr. He was the host of Breakfast with the Beatles. And these guys would come through, and because he was the DJ that played their songs that got them broke, he was awarded a gold record. Wow. Because he was indirectly responsible for being in the market in Florida. He was the market leader in Florida, and he was the guy that, you know, no, he was a low-level deity. And he goes, if I play your album, 5% of the market's going to hear it. And they're like, well, then please play it. And he goes, I want a gold album. He would play the he would play the record. And hey, next thing you know, it's gold. Now it's platinum. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he collects them. He could, he could build a house with them, a stack of them. It's amazing. But that was how it worked back then. That wow. was the whole, you know, he who has the gold makes the rules yeah, scenario, bro. I mean, think about how, how the business is now with, with uh, streaming. You know, musicians really don't don't make any money from it. I mean, you know, with your dad mm-hmm. being a yeah, yeah, yeah. music professor and musician, mm-hmm. and, and talking to people and teaching them what the business is mm-hmm. right now. I mean, really, the business right now is if, if you want to make some money, you got to go out and perform. Yep. You got to yep. do it live. That's why you need to go, that's you need so go to, like, guys, you know? that's why you need to go you to, uh, that's why you need to go to open jams, you need to go open mics every once in a while, so put your merch out there and let people know, hey, if you guys, if you guys, like what you guys heard tonight, here, check this CD out, check this, you know, if you guys like it, cool, give me, give me a shot on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and then, you know, if you like it, I'll come back out and perform for you guys, you know, that, this that is, is what it is, man. It's all about what they call micro-influencers. I don't like saying it because it makes me sound like a millennial, I, even though I am one. I'm a self-hating millennial. Yes, you are a millennial, but I hate it. I'm, I should be old. I should be too old. Hey, I'm not. I'm sorry, man. I'm not a boomer. You're, you're <laughs> not a boomer. You're not a boomer. It's all about. It's funny. It's for the I could go out there and I could um I could I could pay fifty thousand dollars to advertise and say listen to my music and I could sell a hundred albums, or I have five thousand friends on Facebook. Yep. And I put out there. Hey, if anybody wants to buy my album, I'm doing some things, and I could sell 1,500 albums. So the micro-influencer market is the new big thing. Yep. You're right. But here's so, here's the also thing. I mean, you guys need to come up with some. You guys need to come up with contracts too. You know, be like, hey, if I play this, you guys need to pay me this, 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 well, and this. I mean, you know. It's all it's all it's all marketing in terms of like when we say marketing, it's not even about promoting. The song, it's about promoting yourself. Yeah, yeah like a brand. Too. It's like a, uh, yeah. developing well, a brand. Like this brand right here, the Goof Dog Podcast. Goof Dog Podcast. <laughs> Lord, how many cats do you have? I, okay, it's cats and dogs. We're not going to go there, so <laughs> we're, we're not going to go there, man. But you know what? It's all good. <laughs> Does an animal die on your hat? Dude? Yes, a white squirrel died on my hat, <laughs> man. All right? A white squirrel just died on my hat. Dude, but I got one all right, guys. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, you guys are listening to the Goof Duck podcast right here on Spotify. We'll be right back. Man, I'm having a great time. I appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Crooked Can Brewing Company. Their hours of operation is Sunday through Thursday. 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Friday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. Their address is 426 West Plant Street, Winter Garden, Florida, 34787. For more information about the brewery and their amazing craft beer selection then call them at 407-395-9520 and check out their website at crookedcan.com. And now let's go back to our program, The Goof Duck Podcast, right here on Spotify with Remy and Joey.
Welcome back to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify. Guys, we are here live on this beautiful Friday. Uh, dude, great weather in Winter Garden. This, dude, this is what people move to Florida for, man. This weather's gorgeous. It's a light breeze. It's a perfect atmosphere. It's really That's right, guys. If, if, you, if you guys want to know where we are today, we are at the Crooked Cam Brewing Company. In the words of the Joy Mazan, yeah. home sweet home. That's I'm calling it. You know, I'm calling that from now on. We yeah. Whenever we tell people, Crooked you know, home sweet no, no, no. We're going to say, hey, guys, uh, we're going to be live at home sweet home. Where's that? Uh, well, if you don't know where that is, then come to Crooked Cam Brewing Company. Uh, so, uh, so, so guys, if you guys, if you guys have not heard the great news, um, a, uh, a lot of people are going to the theme parks because of the coronavirus that is going on. But uh, on the plus side, uh, that's right. Wash your hands. Use your san- use your sanitizer. Uh, but like we said, guys, I mean, it's you guys heard the news. It's yes, it's spreading, but. If you guys wash your hands, use sanitizer, just face. yeah, just t- stop doing this. You know, it's uh, yes, it's the flu virus. Yes, it is. So, um, Mickey and Minnie just the Mickey and Minnie Railway Runaway just opened up at uh, Hollywood Studios. It just it just opened up. So what they do at Hollywood Studios is it's called Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail Car Railway Railway Railway. I mean. Well, I mean, I mean, you said you said run car. What the hell is a run car? Dude, here's the deal. All right, so it was their opening day. I got there at the crack of dawn. I waited 35 minutes to get on this ride. Okay, that's not bad. If you wait, if you only waited 35 minutes, but the the picture that you showed me was 300 minutes. That's a price. Five hours. That's a five a hours. Five hours wait, wait time for a ride. You show up. Imagine you're from out of town. You don't know what's going on. You're you're a tourist. You're yeah, a yeah, yeah. You're a tourist, and you show up at. 8 o'clock when the park says it's going to open, and you go, oh, what's this new ride? I want to check this out. And you walk up to it, and you realize that you got to the park at 8 a.m., 9, 10, 11, 12. You're not going to be on that ride till 1 o'clock. Yeah. If you leave to go to the restroom, you're going to start over. Yep. If you leave to eat, you're going to start, you're start over. over. Dude, it is, that is my hell. Mark, it's, uh, yeah, a brand new, a brand new ride is open up at Hollywood Studios. It's called Mickey and Minnie's Rail- Runaway Railway. It's... Mickey and Minnie's blah, it's blah, blah, a great blah, blah, ride. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Universal? No, is that no, it's Hollywood Studios? Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MGM. So the problem is, so they're doing a great job of trying to eliminate like hype requirements so that everybody can do everything. Because Disney's PR department absolutely hates when people are like, "I'm offended. My my eight year old isn't tall enough to do anything, and we want our money back." And Disney loves those. So it's the, it's a kiddie ride. I'm just gonna tell it like it is. You want to know what it is? It's a kiddie ride. It's a ride where you sit down. It's the new the way the new way that Mickey's drawn in the new cartoons. You're in a train. It's goofy. He's a crap driver. You walk. You're in a train. You're in a volcano, and then you're in a or you're in a picnic, and then a volcano, or and then a, a mill or a factory. For some weird reason, Daisy Duck shows up and teaches you to dance. You're back in the volcano. You almost die. Mickey saves you. The ride's over, and you go. Why did I wait five hours for this? That's the ride. Yeah. It used to it used to be the uh, the, the great great, great the great movie ride over in uh, Hollywood Studios. It went, it went all the so. way back to the beginning of like early 1900s cinema and it ended. What was the newest film? Aliens. Aliens, yeah. More fun to me. You oh did, yeah, I love that ride. This hot piece of dog ass. So so, so no no the, the thing is man, it, it, yes guys this is all based off of the Mickey and Minnie short the short films cartoons. I would have rather it's, sat perfectly still and watch the cartoons. It's man okay I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna be honest with you man. Those short films scare the crap out of me. They're dark. They are really dark. I thought really? I they are dark. Directed them and I say, 
Oh, no, 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 not Tim Burton. How about Quentin Tarantino? How about that dark? It's, it's, it's too stabbing shy of a Tarantino film. It's like, it's a little dark. Okay. It is oh. crazy like, dark. Goofy's a little off the deep end. Mickey's a little angry. Okay, Goofy. Okay, let's put it. Let's put it this way. Goofy looks like a Goofy looks like a crackhead in that in that uh in that cartoon. Uh, Mickey. Do kids like it? I I I think so. I mean, I don't I don't like it. I mean, this it just the cartoon scares the crap out of me. We're not. Uh, we're not. We're not. So. Yes. <laughs> Very which, very which, very guys, I actually, which, uh, I'm actually gonna play some for you guys. I actually had the, uh, no, I actually had the opportunity to meet, uh, actually, I met, I met Bill, Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy. Listen to this, ready? Here we go. Well, here he is, it's Lady All the Toy. Oh my. So I met, so I met Goof, I met the voice of Goofy, and him and I, we talked for a good, 30, 30 minutes at uh, Animal Kingdom Jumbo. So yeah, uh-uh, higher, higher. He's been he's been goofy for he's been goofy for 35 years. 35 years as goofy as the guy in the green short, the green pants, the brown shoes. What did his license plate say in his car? Crap, you know what? I did not remember. I actually he told me like he had a license plate on his car said like Goof One or something. Goof, like yeah, that. it was. So, uh, so back to the, the attraction real quick, and uh, we'll we'll get back to our guest star here. Now we got uh, we got Mr. <laughs> Mark Claremont, guys. So, uh, Mickey and Minnie's newest attraction. I'm not gonna say the full it's name. So, Mickey, Mickey, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's a tra- so it's a trackless ride. ride. The one thing actually I saw it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I like the I like the beginning part where. How goofy, you know, train goes into the tunnel and just yeah. splits off, and then all of a sudden, okay, what the f is going on? Uh, are we are we in a different room? Are we in this room? No, it is so cool, but but when it comes, but the Daisy Room, that's the room I really enjoyed the most. That really? that's the coolest room because you're side by side and you're bouncing, you're dancing, and then you realize that there's no organic material to that at all. It makes no nope. sense. You're like picnic, Mickey, Minnie, Mickey, Minnie, Mickey, Minnie dance lessons. Yep. That makes no sense. That makes uh, no, no sense. sense. <laughs> That's literally like if you're at Universal Studios and you're in the Fast and the Furious ride, and then all of a sudden Vin Diesel goes, Worst All right, so listen, we're going to stop real quick ever. to hit the McDonald's drive-thru. Okay. And you're like, wait, that has nothing to do with what's going on. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, it's a paid sponsorship. It's Mickey, 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 Mickey. Daisy teaches us to samba. Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. There's no reason for that to be there. Okay, that but no but sense. Donald is in the ride, like, for a short minute. How the f does Daisy get her own room? No, it's probably one of those. I don't know. Maybe he's got a Jewish lawyer. He's trying to avoid a divorce. Yeah, that's that's right. He's got to put his wife in the show somewhere. If you've ever watched Lucy and Desi, you know I love Lucy. Lucy, you gotta put you in a show, mommy. Let's do it. I get it. I get it. So you had to give his girl her fifty cents. Now keep playing the bongos for me. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, look, Donald, I, I, I took a couple of yoga classes, and I can, I'm really flexible, and I'm a dancer. And he's like, all right, look, babe, I'll give you one scene if you'll shut up. So that's what it was. <laughs> Pretty much. That literally Disney. I'll give you your own show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, 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 look. We'll you give you your own show, show, man. If you shut up and not spend my money, I'll give you your, I'll give you your five seconds. And her. Oh. Uh, now we're gonna dance. And samba, and now my back hurts because the whole thing just wiggles. Jiggles, oh, yeah. So but, I'm over it. I'm over it. But the cool, I mean, the other cool thing about that ride is, you know, I know you, don't, I know, you, I know that you don't like it the now. The cool thing about so. that ride is, at least if people are there, they're not on the good rides. No, I was gonna say that. <laughs> I was gonna say the pre-show. The pre- I thought you were gonna say the good thing about that ride is, is 
It's over. It's over. <laughs> Let's go to Epcot and get drunk. Let's say that park only holds about 5,000 are in line for that ride, then all the other rides are 10 and 15 minutes shorter. I'm like, I'm okay with that. So, I got bills to pay. Let's do this. So, um, I was going to say, man, the cool thing I kind of liked was the pre-show, where how Goofy blew, pops up. Egg, blew, 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 blew in the hole. Yeah. Through, and like, alright guys, well, come on in. I'm watching a screen, and Goofy does Goofy, and he blows something up, and he crashes the train through the thing, and it makes the the screen it looks like like you're watching a, pe- a, it, it's a, like, it's like a, a piece a, of paper rolls up oh wow but the actual screen does that and then that's it the whole thing through to go to the next scene that was cool that was but pretty the dope was they got me hyped I'm like okay alright alright I'm like I'm like can I just go back and watch the pre-show five more times and crack a beer <laughs> you're, you're like alright alright man this ride sucks okay damn that's my thing is I appreciate that I think the kids are going to love it. They, they're going to love it. I think that but once you hit the ripe old age of 10, you're going to be a real check. No, 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 not 10. More like, more like 12 or 13. Let's put, let's put it that way. If you're 12 and 13 years old, you're like, this is boring. This is yeah, boring as a... Really, how long did we wait for this? 20 minutes? Can we get something that doesn't suck? So I'm, I'm not a fan, man. Yeah. I feel bad because Disney overhyped it. Now, for people that are, are our ages, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old, we're like, all right, I'm going to go on a ride. All right, let's check it out real quick. Boy, this ride really sucks. You guys want to go up, kind of get drunk? All right, let's go. All right, p- peace out. There. That's the beauty of the Skyliners. Those new gondolas. You hop have, you, gondola have you seen those yet? The, gu- no, the gondolas? It is so it's cool, it's man. Been yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's really cool the way they're, they're, it is they're awesome. really catering to this whole childless millennial crowd. They're trying real hard to bring the people that are like 20 to 40 into the park because those are the ones that are spending right. money. Right. So back, back in the mid-90s at uh, Magic Kingdom, they used to have their own gondola system between uh, Tomorrowland and Fantasyland. Yeah, I remember that. It, so but the problem was, is kids are basically just yep. using it as a way of throwing water bottles out of it to try and hit strangers. Yeah. But so now Disney's like, you know what? Let's try something different. How about we make our own gondola system? I'm like, really? They're bringing that system back? Yeah, but except this time, it's gonna be circling around the re- the major resorts, yeah. not not including, you know. And there's a great over the vents. Right. It's not open air, so like yeah. you can't. So, so you can't throw about something. It. Right. So you go through uh, All Star. You go through. I'm sorry, not All Star. Uh, Pop Century, Art of Animation. The newest resort, the Riviera Resort, which is fantastic. It's one of the most beautiful resort now. Really? I love it in there. It's yeah. gorgeous. So how did you end up checking it out? I mean, did you just... Well, I work for the airport, so okay. part of my job, I get to drop off luggages to and from to the, all those, different all those resorts. Yeah. So during our first day, uh, not first day, uh, when that resort opened up, I asked you know the concierge, I said, hey, do you mind if I check out the resort real quick? Like, try the... Uh, the entrance, like, yeah, hey, go right ahead. I'm like, okay. So went backstage and I saw the uh, the entrance. I'm like, wow, this is actually not bad at all. Joey mentioned this. There's a there's a bar in the Riviera that we're gonna we're, we're gonna check out. It's on the tenth floor. You get this 360 view of the entire. You can see cool. all the parks. That's gorgeous. That would be so, a place to have a nice bourbon. Heck yeah, oh, bourbon, sad. scotch. Oh, yeah. maybe maybe a couple of shots. I of used to be a scotch guy. Me, I'm tequila. I love tequila. I mean, rest in peace, our other good drummer Keith Wilson. I yeah, mean, yeah. he got me, he got me hooked on tequila. Really? Here's why. Joy, you might want to cover your ears for this, but uh, not. It's, it's okay. What do you got? Okay, so dad took me, uh, dad took me to Keith's house one night while they were recording. All of a sudden, I see I was like maybe 15, 16 years old. All of a sudden, I see shots lined up. I'm like. What's going on? No, no, I said, I said, I said, I asked this for my dad. I'm like, Dad, what's that in the shot glass? He's like, take it. I'm like, 
I'm not old enough. He's like, take it. I'm like, okay. You're dead. I'm like, I'm like, all right, fuck it, whatever. So I know I have to. So I'm like, you know what? You know what? Whatever. Took a shot of it. I'm like, all right, this is good. So Keith goes, no, you're doing it wrong. No salt, no lime. I'm like, oh, no groceries. I got it. I got it. So, so but but Keith actually, he told me like. I, I sent him text. He's a good friend of mine. He, by yeah, way. yeah, yeah. So I sent him text back and forth asking him, hey, what are some good types of tequila that you should not shoot, and what are tequilas that you should drink? Like, right, the, the both, sip drinks. Yeah. So there's a whole different. He gave me a whole list of them. I'm like, <laughs> you guys cannot do this. You guys cannot do this. You guys cannot do that. Do that. I'm like, all right. Okay. So. Now you know more about tequilas than you did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this was all because of recording a recording session. I'm like, that'd be fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Tequila shot, one. I was like, five o'clock. I'm like, tequila shot, okay. Eight o'clock, tequila shot, okay. I got it. Hey, so. that's a better session because I, I was in a session <laughs> and, and guys were putting stuff out that I didn't want to do. And I was like, I was like no, no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. This ain't for me, man. Good man. You know, I'm telling you. Alright, well guys, we'll be we'll be right back after this. This was your your part of the theme park, so you know we're done talking about Minnie and Goofy. Done and we're we're done talking about, about that ride. So guys, we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify. Uh, we are live at the Crooked Can Brewing Company here in the home of Winter Garden, Florida. A.K.A. Home Sweet That's right, Home Sweet Home. Guys, I'm your host. My name is Remy, and always with me is the Joy Mazant. What's up, family? And, guys, we have a very special guest. He is back with us, Mr. Mark Claremont. Hey, fellas. That's right. Dude, so, man. Music's good today. Bro. I love music, man. This is why I bring, this is why, this is a, a new part for Goof Dog. We're bringing, this is part one Dude, of our. When you knew him, I was like. Yeah. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is. So this is brand new to us. This is part one of our music series, which is which which that means is I'm gonna be bringing more musicians to talk talk about uh, music on our podcast, man. So I got it. I got this, man. So I know a lot of musicians, man. So come at me. Let's go. All right. So we have some stories, man. Okay, I got stories. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my, 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 my apologies. You know, his dad and I, we play together, and I'm like, well, no, not really. I mean, the only thing, the only thing I can say is, you know, every gig that I've ever done with your dad, he always comes in, he's like smiling, he's like, dude, Ivory, what's up, man? Yeah. You know? And, and once we set up and we're ready to play, he usually like, hey, guys, uh, Brew? Brew's anyone? <laughs> I love it. So we head over and usually get a Now, brew. have you done have you done any, recor- any recording sessions with my dad? You know, uh, 
I've recorded with a couple of people that he's recorded with, but I, really? have, I have not recorded with your dad. With, uh, like who? We're, well, you know, uh, uh, Captain Harry. Yeah, Captain, I've yeah. I've played on some of his stuff, and I know your dad has played on some of his oh, he, stuff. He plays on a ton of his stuff with him. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're talking about, actually, with this new project that we've been doing, the, the 80s remix Mayhem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about going in and recording, and I think that, that would be cool. And I, I gave him that idea. I said, Dad, you guys need to make a CD or something because people like hearing all these 80s tunes that you, yeah, I mean, you, Michelle, Ed, and my dad. I mean, this is what people want to hear. I mean, my wife and I, we came out to, to the Blue Bamboo that, uh, what was it, that Saturday, Sunday? Uh, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, yeah, yeah. So, mom and I, my mom and I, we saw, uh, <laughs> you're going to hate me, but uh, it's all good. Uh, we saw uh, Mean Girls, the musical at the Dr. Phillips Center. Oh, that's cool. It was good. It was a good, it was a yeah, good, not bad, man. Mom, that's yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and mom, and mom goes, hey, cool she is. <laughs> so she goes, we want to do after this. I'm like, mom, do you want to go to Blue Bamboo and go hear Dad? She's like, no, nah, I don't want to go hear him. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like my wife, man. She's like, so mom goes, but, yeah. She works hard. Exactly, know, but hard. my mom goes, you know what? I love 80s music. You know what? Let's go see Dad. Let's go see some 80s mixtapes. So. Well, my question, do you guys cover Jungle Love by Morris Day in the Time? That, you know what? That'd be a good song, yeah, I, too. I have done it before, but not with this band. That'd be good, but... You cover, dude. I want to show up. Please, okay. I just want to sing okay. one so, song with you guys, and I'm good. But, <laughs> but, but, but Joey... Well, you know, last time we, when we went... Uh, not last time we played, but it was, the first time we played, yeah. we had some special guests. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to have a special guest coming for two or three songs. Or oh, dude, I'm in. I'll send you my so, demo. <laughs> nah, nah, they were good. Okay. I know, I know so, but, here, but here's the thing, man. So, so here's the thing. The way Ace Mixtape does this, my dad, my dad, Mark, Ed, and Michelle Mayo, they do, uh, they do all the all the arrangements. I mean, technically, my dad does the arrangements. Yeah, dad, so, I, I, actually, um, everybody has arranged a couple. Yeah, of yeah. Songs, you know? okay. So, um, your dad has done most of them. Yeah. Dad has done a few. Mm -hmm. So it's Michelle. That's right. You know, so it's, I'm surprised you didn't done any arrangements yet. I, I had a couple I mean, ideas for a couple of things, but I, I haven't I haven't come up with anything. I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to uh, 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 learn all the material and get it get nice. it right. Right. So I want to get off book. You know, I want to. Yeah. Wanna, we, we need to do some more gigs so that I can actually not have to read anything. Okay. So we could just have everything memorized and you know. So let's say for here's an example. Uh, so my dad took uh, ever you know a saxophone player named uh, David Sanborn. Okay, so, all right, he's a his own artist, but he's a great. He had a TV show uh, for a long time too. It was a David Sanborn show. He brought a lot of great. Actors oh yeah. To perform. I'll Google him. I'm gonna have to read this. So, yeah, I'm sure I know. so there's a song. So there's a song that my dad took off. It's called Bang Bang. Okay. And the song that they do, that they did in the 80s tune, what was the, you guys uh, do? It, it was the, um, uh, the Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys. Right so they combine that together. It's like, it a, like a samba kind of style. Well, it, or was it, a, it, what, it, is, what is it, it exactly? It's, kind of a, it, it's uh, that bang bang is it's more of a, you know, like a salsa, funky salsa kind of. Yeah. Nice. So, so that is what these 80s makes are all about. They take one 80s tune and make it something different, like a, well, like a different well, genre. Really so with, with uh, Dirty Loops, the sweet, Swedish trio. Yes. Well, Great they take, group. They take pop songs and then they arrange it how they like it that's to right. fit their style that's what that's mm -hmm. what you know his dad has done is uh, you know come up with some arrangements what i did the same thing on my first album my, my cover of blue colored man by sticks i turned into a ballad okay it's exact same thing i had a great story about sticks <gasps> oh let's hear it let's hear it i grew up in, i was living in chicago okay i was in high school 
my art teacher was the bass player from Sticks. They were, they were two of, uh, they were brothers. The bass player and the drummer were twins. So they were brothers. So this was uh, back in the 70s, right. early 70s. I was living in Chicago. My art teacher was a uh, bass player for Sticks. And uh, I remember two, three weeks after I got in that class, he, uh, he left because they went out on tour. Their, their song just exploded. You know, and I used to see them play all the time. Um, wow. Shaw? Yeah, Shaw, the guitar player. Yeah, yeah Shaw. Shaw, Shaw. And then there's Dennis DeYoung was the... Uh, Dennis DeYoung is singer. Uh, I'm trying to remember... Uh, the name of the drummer and the bass player, and I can't remember. It's been so many. It's years. only other, literally the only last. There's a lot. There's a lot of sticks yeah. players, man. But that was that was my big thing. Is when my first album dropped, I did a six cover, and that was like I did Blue Collar Man, and I said, this song is fast. And my buddies are like, well, yeah, and I'm like, but it's all about like it's de- it's a depressing ass song about like hard work. I'm like, let's bring it down. Let, let's what are the BPMs like like a buck ten on this? Let's bring it down to like seventy. You see what it sounds like is a ballad. You said it's a ballad. Uh, we actually recorded the music video at Universal Studios on location. I'd love to hear it. Nice, so man. Nice. Really, really cool. So you probably, you probably did it well again. 3 4, then back to 4 4, and then. No, 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 no. That's the beauty of it is I kept it in, I kept it in common time. I kept it at 4 4, and I let it read out just very simple, very nothing nothing fancy. It wasn't, I didn't put a swing riff on it. I just took it down to like an 80. I took it from, an, hmm. from a late 70s rock song to an 80s ballad. Wow. I'll send it to you. I'm, 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 I want to hear that, man. That sounds dope, actually. That was a Miley, Miley stick story, really. But I just uh. because, Yeah, I mean, because I remember talking to him, and he told me, he told me, yeah, I got a band, and it's called Sticks. And I said, well, I'm in a band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a band. We're not called Sticks. We're in a band, so hey. Cool, well, you know, so he was pretty cool. You know, we kind of awesome. hit it off. And then three or four weeks later, he was gone. We, got, we had a new teacher. You know? Oh, wow. I was like, but then I followed him. You know, I started following you know the band. I was like, oh wow, great band live. Oh yeah. Great band live. I love it. So let's talk about let's talk about drummers. This is what, who I want to really hit up on. So, all right, so I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him like I'm gonna give you some yeses and nos. Like who who would you follow? So uh, who are your who actually who are your top five your top five drummers that that, that you follow or like no like you answer. uh like you grew up so with like let's well, say uh, uh, there's some cats I grew up with. And then there's uh-huh. some cats, once I, once I started understanding more about, you know, the skill of drumming mm-hmm. and, and, and what I do, I started following some different people because I, I was exposed to different styles. But growing up, some of my style, uh, the drummers that I really listened to were some of the drummers that influenced a lot of a lot of people. Coming oh, up. yeah. John Bonham. I listened oh, to John course, Bonham. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ian Pace of Deep Purple. Yeah. Because he, I'm a left-handed drummer, and he was left-handed. So... One of the first grooves that I learned, and, I, and as a kid, I learned it because I had a lot of energy and a lot of, you know... Uh, smoke on the water? No, not smoke on the water. Oh. Fire, fireball. Oh, cool. And I learned that drum groove. Hold on. And I didn't know till years later, till I, I read an interview with Ian Pace, that he that was the one song that he played double bass on. I learned it wow. on a single bass drum. I learned how to do it 16 notes just on a one bass drum. It's, it's a great G. So I learned that. I learned so you learned that, that groove. I, 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 I learned that. Holy cow! Drum. 
I mean, I, I probably couldn't do it now, but as a kid, I had all that this energy, and I was like, I learned how to do it, you know? That's awesome. And then I, as, as an adult, as I started learning, mm -hmm. you know, Theory what I was that, right? doing, yeah. I was like, man, this is hard. <laughs> with him, he goes, you know, that was the only, uh, the only uh, time I ever used a double bass drum. Uh, and I was like, Oh, yeah. Thank why, you. That's why it was so hard. That's why I had such a hard time. That's I didn't yeah. see that. So, but that was one of my influences, you know. Right. Uh, and let's see, uh, Ian Pace, uh, John Bonham, yes. and of course I'm, I'm a Hendrix freak. So Mitch Mitchell. Mitch, Mitch Mitchell. And, and, you know, Mitch Mitchell, Buddy Miles. Those were my first influences. Okay. You know, because uh, I was really coming up. All right, so, let me riff, let me riff on you a little bit. What about Steve Gadd? Well, Steve Gadd came later for me. Okay. I mean, I love Steve Gadd, and he's also one of the people I really dig. But he came later for me. You know what I mean? Before Steve Gadd, Billy Cobham. Billy Cobham. Yeah. Okay. And I'm I'm actually, um, you know, I know Billy. I don't know him real well. Right. But right. We communicate. We're friends on Facebook. Oh, cool. We communicate with him for years. Nice. So my friends have played with him. So I I, I dig Billy. Um, you know, some guys came later that I, that I really dig, like Dennis Chambers and people like that. Yeah. But some of the older cats, you know, Vinny Caliuto is still at the top top of my list because Vinny plays everything. Yeah, he does. Vinny's played with, uh, you know, played with Zappa. Vinny's played with Gino Vanelli. Vinny's played with uh, uh, Joni Mitchell. Uh, you know, Sting. Zappa is one of the most polarizing characters. You either love him or I love Zappa. Yeah, that's true. There's no I, I love everybody, every, every uh, you know, top-notch musician has been through the Frank Zappa band. Mm -hmm. Zappa was a serious musician. Damn right. You know, but just about anybody has been in that band, you know. And from George Duke to Steve Vai oh to uh, even the drummers from, from Genesis, you know, uh, you know Chester Phil Thompson. Collins. Oh, okay, I think Phil Collins. Yeah, was, yeah. Chester well, Thompson. Well, yeah. Uh, also, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of those cats came through, came through this band. A lot of great players. But see, and, but Steve, and then Steve Vai ducked out at that point. That was when he started mm -hmm. playing with David Lee Roth. Uh, even before then, uh, of even before David Lee Roth, yeah, even before David Lee Roth. Steve, you want to talk about a guy who's a master of his craft? Watching that guy play the four neck guitar, it looks like a giant heart. No. Oh no 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 no. Who's the uh, who's the bass player that plays the bass upside down on a yellow uh, weather report or a uh, yellow jackets? Jimmy Haslip. Uh, Jimmy Haslip. Uh, hey, I just that, worked with a bass player uh, about a month ago. A guy here in town. Uh, his name is Clark. I can't remember his last name. I think, uh, I Clark. Yeah. Okay. Clark. But it played upside down, just like that. Really? He had a great pocket. We played some really swampy grooves, man. This guy was really good. That's yeah, cool. yeah. I dude. get lucky sometimes. I get, you know, to me, I, I, I find it really inspiring when I find a bass player that I can just lock in with. Because there's a marriage between drummer and mm -hmm. bass players. You know, if you guys don't lock in together, it's always like there's a tug of rope. You know, yeah. like a rope you're tugging. Yeah. So there's got to be give and take. Like when your dad and I play together, man, it's like I don't even have to think about yeah. it. Yeah. You know. He, I know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. It was always told to me that it's funny that the bass guitar only having four strings. And the bass guitar, I was always told, was the easiest instrument to learn and the hardest to master. That's true. You can learn to play the bass guitar and you can learn where the notes are, but to truly master a bass guitar is an art form. You get to like your Getty Lee, you know, yeah. in a rush. You that's, what that blows, you know, that's what blows me away about bass players. Bass players, they can sing and play because I'm a singing drummer, uh -huh. but for me as a drummer, you know, I can put the drum part on autopilot and concentrate yeah. on the singing. Mm -hmm. But with the bass player, you're playing like right on on the beat on everything, and man, it's the whole concept of it, you know. I've tried it. It's easier for me to play guitar and sing, 
band is to play bass. Especially and when you get into these punk musicians where it's you're, you're not just going ding ding ding. It's yeah. I got I got a story for that. So uh, that tune you guys do, uh, Fear, uh, with A's mixtape. That uh, if you don't like, uh, was it saxophone? Was that yeah, tone? Like dude, the way Mark, my dad, combined that tune, I'm like, hey, okay, here's why. Just and my dad goes, I'm saying it. Okay, dad singing. I'm like. Yeah, okay. I can't wait so. to see the man. We're gonna go one of these nights. You, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna like it, man. You're gonna love it. Oh yeah. The Blue Bamboos Performing Center. It's right, Winter Park, off of Fairbanks and Kentucky Avenue. You dig it? I'm down. And tickets are, tickets, tickets are not that bad, man. It's about 130 people. 130, yeah. I mean, it's like, if, if you're, this is the stage here. That's cool. Like right you know, there. I'm and the fan. stage is about this high. I'm down. So it's like in somebody's living room. It happens to be 40, 40 yep. feet wide. I love it. I'm great down, great crowd. Perfect. Great crowd. And great great drinks. Off, there's no yakking. There's no talking. People actually listen to the artists. Mm-hmm. And is, there, is there a bar there? By yes. yes. There's a bar oh, I'm sold. Let's go. There's, there's a bar. There's a bar with snacks, beer, wine, whatever, okay. water, and you... Oh yeah, and here's a plus. They're not like it's Disney. Like they're not like outside. Disney. Free. They're not like Disney, but free parking. Free parking. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. That's right. Free and it's an, also an art gallery. So it is. An intermission or before the show, you walk around, check out the great artists, yes. great artwork. They also sell local uh, books, recordings by different artists, local okay. stuff. Yeah. Yo, um, do they you? They have vinyl. They sell vinyl. Oh, now. that's so cool. You know, so the local retro. artists and known folks, but they have vinyl. They got CDs. They have. Uh, I saw a book, a jazz book. Really? Uh, yeah, about uh, Celia Cruz. It's a new book that just came out. They, they had that for sale there for. Oh, nice. Bucks. That was um, Celia Cruz de Tuvos. What was the big Celia Cruz song? Oh man, it's gonna. Yeah, I'll Google it. I'll she Google did. It she did a lot. Her. I did a. I did a. I was in a, uh, a play. That one of my professors did in college, and they used Celia Cruz as all of the background stuff for her. Celia something, man. Yeah. But um. So well, Rem. So let's uh. So I got a couple more I want to ask you. So I got. So there's a couple. There's a couple drummers I want to uh, top, top notch on real quick. So I got a lot of drummers who I follow when I was little because my dad he he didn't force me, but I kind of picked up bass just for a little bit. But I started playing drums when I was like eight, nine years old. I took lessons with uh, Beth Gottlieb back at oh, back, yeah. back at Rollins for a little bit. Yeah, Beth, yeah. But I kind of stopped. I'm like, you know what? Leaves, uh, yeah. yeah. So I played. So I did a couple lessons with her. Like when I was like six, seven, eight years old. I stopped doing that. That's why I picked up sax. But drums. That's the one thing I always messing with. I had a drum pad, and I'm like, you know what? Let me find some cool grooves with it. I started playing grooves from Phil Collins, Dave Weckl, uh uh, Steve Gad, I, and there's one more drummer that I don't know who it was, but uh, what exact who like those kind of, those guys, uh, Steve Gad, well, Phil Collins, but there's there's one more there's one more that nobody nobody ever mentions. Oh hello, uh, all right. Is good. <laughs> uh, so so what's this called? That is the uh, we're calling it the Conclave of Sorcerers. It's the, it's the barely wizard party. The wizard party. <laughs> just call, just call it the Lights wizard party. How about how about that? Basic Scotch. No, wizard wizard, wizard party. parties rather. Oh. So then that's barely in Scotch whiskey barrels. And oh my God. 
Oh, dude, I want my blood replacer business. There you go. That is good! <laughs> that is so good! Now that I know you guys didn't oh. like, keel over, I can serve it to the regular guys. Oh, my oh, God. That, 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 <laughs> that, that, yeah. Dude, Carl's the man. Okay. The man. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Thank oh, you so much. I don't know. What's the name of it called? Conclave of Swords. Conclave of Swords. So, but here's one more. Nobody, nobody ever mentions it, but... Let's talk about Stevie Wonder. He does. He does Dude, keyboard. I have so he, many does, he does keyboard. He does bass. He does guitar. He I'm does drums. I'm gonna send you a video. My, uh, my friend Jerry Brown. It was Stevie's drummer. Really? Uh, Jerry has been playing for uh, Diana Ross for a long time. Oh he's wow! A great drummer. He used to be with uh, Chick Corea. Mm. I love Chick. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was on that Chick Corea Music Magic album. Played with Stanley Clark. He was great. Great drummer, mm -hmm. but he's got a video that he posted where he does a duet with Stevie, and Stevie, you know, they bring Stevie out on the drum set, and and Jerry's on his, and they're trading off. Wow. And Stevie's killing it, and Stevie takes it like a 15-20 minute drum solo. It's in black and white video. So what? So I'll send it to you. So what is Stevie? Is he a lefty or a righty? You know, Stevie. Just the way he approaches it is not like a lefty or a righty. You know what I mean? He's just. He's so musical that he, he's not thinking that way. Even when, when you try to play his grooves, you listen mm -hmm. back to it, and you're trying to figure out the sticking, you know. See, this is, this is what happens to drummers when you start when you start getting an education, right? Mm -hmm. You start figuring out exactly what this guy's playing, with hand he's doing it, which how he's approaching it. But a guy like Stevie, he's not thinking about that. He's just figuring out how to get that groove. And sometimes it's more important to figure out how to get that groove than... How is he sticking it? How is he... You, you know what I mean? Because you may figure it out, but you're never going to make it feel like right. he's doing it. So try to get in CV's head figure out, man, what's happening? It's weird, but how long, how long did it take you to memorize or learn that Rose, the, Rose, the uh, Rosanna riff? Oh, well, once, once, I learned, once I learned how to play it, you know what I mean, what, what was happening in that groove, then I, then I knew what to play, right? So in other words, if you break it down... All it is is the, your hands are playing like a halftime shuffle, like the, like the Purdy shuffle, mm -hmm. right? And if you want to hear what the Purdy shuffle sounds like, you listen to some of the Stevie Van stuff. Right. You listen to Royal Scam uh, like or the Asia. Man. So one of the grooves is, is, is that, you know. So that's what it is, just a shuffle, halftime shuffle, you know. So, but underneath. You're playing the Bo Diddley bass drum power, right? So you're going, go, 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 I get it. Go, 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 <laughs> what I love is it, cool makes that, it makes that song sound like it's just a series of fills. And that's yeah. what's so cool about it. Yeah, it's just because there's the movement, that yes. forward momentum, you know. I love uh, it. Part of the, uh, the gig at the Hard Rock was backing up a bunch of uh, different artists. And one of the artists that we backed for a week was uh, Bobby Kimball of Toto. No way. So we did all the Toto stuff. I remember when um, I met those guys when I played with... Um, that that work. It's just... You know, yeah. when we met, uh, those guys were there. They were they were playing in a, a in a rock cover band, 
and it was a member from damn this is from good Mexico, a member from journey a member from santana and a member from and they they all Whoa. played together I when they did that and they did all covers of each of their bands i think it was greg roley yeah from journey yes it was he was also originally from santana yeah he worked with the original singer for journey wow uh, who else uh it was the guy from toto, toto. Yeah, okay so i want to see bobby Singer? It sounds, yes. It was a singer. Yep. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then it was the guy from Santana, the guy from Toto, the guy from Journey, and the guy from... Oh, and the drummer from Boston. Oh, okay. Really? Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And they were a super group, but they were funny. They called themselves, it was a joke, they called themselves like the geezers of rock or something. Really yeah. <laughs> I remember when they That's funny. That is funny. They played two 45-minute uh, sets of all of their best songs that they've ever had a part of it was really cool and i enjoyed it a lot well you know back in the 80s i was working at a music store and teaching over in tampa mm-hmm. this was the, the uh one known as one of the biggest music uh, franchises in the country third grade music all right and they used to have these music expos and clinics so they had tons of drummers come to them well i was the a and r guy i was like the artist relations guy uh i was teaching there and, uh, you know, uh, over third grade, it's called Profession Unlimited. And I would go pick up uh, the artist, the performing drummer, whoever it was. So oh, I wow. got to meet all these guys. I got to go pick them up. And I picked up guys like Jacques Dijonette, Billy Cobbin, Tony Williams. Oh, man. You know, Billy Cobbin? Oh, yeah, Billy. Yeah, I got to. I would pick him up at the airport, take him to the hotel, and then take him to the gig, you know. And then afterwards, we'd get to hang out and have dinner. And I got to meet a lot of these cats, you know. Some of them, you know, they still remember me, and some of them, you know. Yeah, it just, it yeah, yeah it's all good. But, but uh, we, we've got years of recordings, of videos of all this stuff. My buddy over in Tampa has got, got tons of this stuff, man. And I have some of those uh, on video, too. Some of those um, clinics, expos. They call them drum expos, right? That's right. So all the different drum companies would have, you know, yeah. bring on all their best stuff. I will love to see that. Cats. Have, um, you ever, have you ever been to, uh, to the NAMM show? Oh yeah, a few times. I played. In fact, I played the Nam show back in the '80s. That's how I got to play with Van Halen and some of those people. I was playing drums for a guy named Seymour Duncan. Seymour Duncan makes guitar pickups, right? Nobody knows. Wow. How good Seymour is. Seymour is a great blues guitar player. So back in '84, '85, um, I did like a mini tour in Florida with Seymour. We went to all the music stores and performed. And then we went and played the Nam show in Anaheim big one in California. Yep. And so this is where I got to play with all these cats. All the guys that played with Seymour Duncan pickups in their guitars, uh, they were featured on, on the you know the, on Seymour's show. So all these guitar players wanted to come and play. So I got to play with uh, all these cats. We had two drum sets, a couple of drummers. I got to meet a lot of great drummers and hang out with them. I got kind of a funny story too about that. Uh, uh, I was endorsed by Yamaha at the time. Oh, cool! So, Whoa. so they were supposed to have a drum set for me, so I could go play with with Seymour and Van Halen and all these people. And when I got there, all the big Yamaha names were there. There was Alex Acuna, there was Vinnie Calhoun, Steve Gadd, there was John Robinson. There was just a list of all the the A list, a list of superstars, yeah, like like Dave Weckl. Yes, and then they were all oh signed God. with Yamaha. Right, so it comes time for me to go play at this huge, you know, hall with uh, uh, Seymour Duncan. They didn't have a drum set for me. They said, "Well, we're sorry, dude. Uh, I mean, I know you're one of the endorsers, but 
You're at the bottom of the totem pole. So wow. We don't have a drum set for you. Do you, have, do you have like a Calhoun or something? Let me, let me bang on that for a little bit, man. So I'm at the NAMM show freaking out because I know I got to play. And I see a friend of mine, uh, a drummer, who lives here in town. And he actually was a rep for Gretsch Drums. Uh, oh, a, whoa. A good, a good friend of mine. I've known, I've known him since the 70s. Mike Welch. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mike Welch, yeah. So he and I have been friends forever. So I saw him. He saw me and we are talking. And I told him my dilemma. He says, oh, man. He says, let me go introduce you to Fred Gretsch and his wife and, and tell, him your, tell him your story and we'll get you a set of drums. Oh, my. Oh. Oh. Really? He goes, yeah. So I go over and I meet Fred Gretsch and his wife and, and they tell him the story. They said, well, he's endorsed by Yamaha. He's supposed to play tonight with Eddie Van Dien and Jeff Beck and all these guys. And uh, they don't have a drum set for him. And could, could we help him out? And Fred Gretsch said, yeah. We'll, we'll send a drunk set over there for you. The only thing I ask is leave the Gretsch logo on top. Nice. Okay. I was in by Yamaha. I said, I said, well, sure, I can do it. <laughs> and then also Yamaha was supposed to provide symbols for me. So no symbols. So uh, you met Todd Sidian or something, right? right? So well, no. Uh, Lenny Demuzio of oh, Zildjian was there. Zildjian. Oh, see, that's nice. He was, the, he was the cat, man. And so uh, my friend Mike went over, introduced me to Lenny, and told him the story. Lenny said, oh, man. He says, I'll give you a whole set of symbols. He goes, uh, just make sure to bring him back to me tomorrow about 10 o'clock because we're going to need him for the show. So he gave me a whole set of symbols. <laughs> you know, uh, just on my friend's, just on my friend's uh, recommendation. Like, oh, no, this guy is straight up. And, and he knew that I was working at Thoroughbred and all this. Thing. You know, he knew my connection. And so I went and did the show, playing a set of Gretsch with all of Lenny DiMuzio's hand-picked cymbals. Oh, it, was, wow. it was cool. And, and all these guitar players came out, and then we backed them all up. It was, uh, I actually played with uh, uh, Ted Nugent. Nice! He came out with no shirt on. Of course he did. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. God bless him. The Ted the Nugent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I played with a lot of those cats. You know, Leslie West. The, oh. the only guy that was kind of a jerk uh, I'm going to say his name because I don't care. Go ahead. Uh, Kevin Cronin from, oh my gosh, from Mario Speedwagon. Oh he my was gosh. such a jerk, man. He was, like, he was yelling at the sound people. This is supposed to be professional. And you what? didn't get blah, blah, blah. And I think Eddie Van Halen said, he goes, man. This guy's a dick. That's a <laughs> he was thinking it, right? I was thinking, man. He's, that's a shame. Yeah, he's kind of a that's a shame. Yeah, so, so he kind of turned me off. You that's know? a shame because it's one of those bands where they're big, but they're not like they're not like I wouldn't put them in like the hundred greatest bands of all time. Right, but, but, but they're almost like almost yeah, as big true. as sticks. Almost, of course. But then it's like so you think they'd be like, oh, we're just happy to be here, showing off the fact that we're doing what we love. He was like, having wow. a, he was having the uh, the front man meltdown thing, you know. Uh, not enough of my monitors. Uh, oh, you guys, what kind of whoa? Uh, yeah. Really? Listen, listen, if you want to get a great sound on stage, go ahead and, 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 and treat your sound guys like that. Yeah. Piss off that, the tech and see what happens. No. Okay, this, this mic is off, his bass mic is <laughs> off, oh, his snare <laughs> mic off. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Okay, so, 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 be so bad. the best part of this, right? So we're staying at this, this hotel where we're performing. This is Hotel in Anaheim. And so Seymour says, hey, uh, Jeff Beck's gonna, is going to come by tonight in our suite so we had a suite upstairs and we're gonna have a jam I'm like okay I was touring uh, I was endorsed by Yamaha but I was also endorsed by rims 
Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you remember the rims. They had a rims drum set with just the heads. So oh, they were they were. Oh so I was doing a whole I was doing a whole clinic tour with Seymour using those pick. using those rims, right? So when I got to Seymour's hotel room, they had the whole double bass set of rims set nice. up for me to play, and we played about seven or eight minutes before security came to shut us down. Because if you if you think you know jamming with Jeff Beck, of course. Jeff Beck had it. Was that a drum set right there? That was it. Let me see. First one. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. I remember those. It was wow. Like the heads the, I do yeah. remember those. Man. Michael Danny played those. And I bet those get to get a good sound, too. They're okay, they're okay, but the rims part of it, you know, I, I, I mean, getting endorsement with them is cool because I got a whole set of rims for all my drums and I still have them. Wow. They still work great. They're they're a little, well, I'm saying, you bust the head or are they pretty good? Uh, they, they work okay. Alright. Yeah, right. Never busted a head. Nice. Yeah, but they were. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's no way. Get you. Well, you know, you couldn't dig into the bass drums. You know, it's just a head. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, of course, you'd knock it over. Yeah. Well, I'd <laughs> knock it over, but you just couldn't dig into it. It just didn't get have a sound. It's just okay. like if you take a head, if you just take a head and tune it up a little bit and then hit it, you know, it's gonna it's gonna have a sound, but it's not gonna be. It's have a nice deep. Th- thick yeah. Bass it's not gonna have this. There's gonna be a little boing, a little bounce. And, it's not going to be tight. I get it. All right, here's so here's one. So if you had to get if you had to get a sub, pick any pick any local Florida drummer. Who would it be? Oh jeez, uh, there's a couple guys. Uh, depending on the, the the gig, but one of the top guys I would use is maybe never heard of him. A guy named Reggie Pryor. Mm-hmm. Reggie's great. Reggie would come in and and, and do the gig. Hmm. The cat said, yeah. All right. He's right. not a jazz cat. He's just rock, pop, funk, but he can play jazz too. Wow. All right, so let's. I mean, before, it, we, before we say goodbye, yes. Let's build the. the I, I like this, and I can talk to a musician about this. If you're going to build your dream band, being a frontman, a guitar player, a bass player, we'll throw a rhythm guitar player and a drummer in there. Three guitarists. Lead rhythm, bass, drum, and a lead, and a, and a lead vocalist. Ooh. Because you want your lead vocalist to only have to focus but, on being the Okay, player. okay, but can can it be... Uh, pres- what style? You're talking, can, you're I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. Can, but We're can, building the ultimate cover Okay, okay, but, here, but, here's, okay. But, here, but here's the thing. Can it be local players? Because we are I mean, we are supporting the local players here in Central Florida. Oh, this is your dream band. Well, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, I would we'll, love to play with... I, I would love to play with local Damn! Okay, <laughs> but I'm building my dream band. I already band. know who my singer would be. Alright, who? Alex... Liquidwood. You know who he is? Uh-uh. He's a lead singer with, uh, he, he was with Brian Auger for many years. He was also in Santana for a while. Wow. A, a little redhead Scottish guy. He's got a big, thick mustache. When you hear his voice, that's that's the voice right there. Wow. And who, who's your lead, who's your frontman? Philip Bailey from Earthland Fire. No kidding. Yep, I'll pick, I'll pick him. See? That's cool. I, I went too mainstream with it. I would have gone straight up to Steven Tyler, but I went like late 70s, early 80s Steven Tyler when the, when the, for whatever reason, I feel like there was maybe something in his system that was making him very, very. Or, or, or for, for my backup, I mean besides Philip, it'll be Tom Petty. I'll show you Alex Okay, does he? Okay, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say guess what he looks like. So he said ginger. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, 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 no, no, I'm picturing this. No, 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 I'm picturing Seamus from WWE. From who? WWE, the wrestling. Seamus. Okay, Conor McGregor. Oh, I know who that is. Okay, well, okay. I'm, I'm thinking he's like a Conor McGregor lookalike. Kind of. I want to see. Because Conor is ginger. I can't wait to see what this I want to see what he looks like. Go, who is this guy? Right? He, he's, he's, 
Not the best looking guy, right? Good boy. That's right, he's got a voice on him. Oh, did you guys, did you guys hear the news? Uh, in May, Santana and Earthland Fire yes, are coming that. to... No, they're coming to Tampa. Really? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Which I want, which I really want to check out. Oh, I'm down. That's gonna be dude. Hell yeah. Who's that on? Who's that on keys? <laughs> it's this guy right here. Really? That's wow. Shoot. Listen to those pipes. He's got serious pipes. This is what I'm saying, Gypsy Woman. Nice. This man. Let's see, feel good. Oh, man, these guys. Tom Jones. Oh, Tom Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Tom. Angus Young. Yeah. Oh, Brian Johnson. Brian, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. Do you really? Oh, oh, my gosh. I would kill him. Did a jam with him. <laughs> I'd love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, all right, so what about... All right, so we... So, 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 let's, let's so, so all right, so, so we did a singer. We need, we, uh, we need a bass player. Bass player. Bass player. Man. Oh, I, I this is hard. everything. Right. They can encompass everything, you know. I mean, he's he's kind of backing up a lot of cats now. Who? Pino Palladino. Yes, Pino. Pino he he Pino Palladino played with. Uh, he's actually <laughs> John Mayer's Mayer trio. Who? I mean, Pino. Yeah. God. All right. So for me, Richard Bona. Richard. Oh. Richard Bona. Okay, we're going there. We're I'm going. Go, I'm going there. I'm sorry. I was okay. <laughs> Stan, Stanley Clark. Huh? Oh, Stanley Clark. <laughs> okay. Okay. My dad. How about that? <laughs> how about that? How about that? I love it, man. I love it. No, Chuck Archer. That's right. right. My pops. Okay, Papa Funk. Here. No, I was going. I get it. Yeah, my favorite guitar player, though, Jim. Jeff, yeah, yeah, yeah back. All right, so who's your, who's your bass player? I gotta go Getty Lee because he plays piano too. Getty Lee. I like Getty Lee. Okay. It's, like, it's the only thing to come out of Canada that I, I can tolerate. Right. See, but if I'm gonna if I'm gonna call in a ringer from uh, Zeppelin, it's gonna be all about Bonham. Yeah. yeah. If I'm gonna pick a drummer, I'm probably. Gonna Let's go see. Bonham. From but my. You know who's who's awesome with the Who right now too? Who? Who? Ringo Sun. Starkey. That's really? That's Starkey. What a, what a pocket, man. Yeah, dude. Wow. What dude, a pocket, Zach Starkey. I'll tell you what, dude. When I saw him play at the um, the the tribute to oh come on uh, George Harrison, when they brought all those guys together and George's son came and Ringo was there, but then to hear Prince, somebody who I didn't even realize was a sick guitar player, oh, to yeah, see Prince, Prince oh, yeah. do that riff on while my guitar gently weeps, oh, he just he just took off for three and a half minutes and he would look back and and um, Tom Petty just goes. Keep going. Yeah, keep you're, going. you're good. Everybody who you're good. George Harrison was there, and they, uh, Jeff Lynne for me on low. They just kept going. No, keep going. No. Keep going. Don't yeah. stop. You look back. Like, do you want me to? Uh, am I done? You guys want to? No, you don't no. want to take a turn. No. Okay. You already, yeah. you already said what we needed to yep. say. <laughs> All right. So, so, what, 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 no, who are we? Are we still like guitar players? Because I, I didn't say my guitar player. Guitar player. Ugh. That's hard, but I got a local. I mean, if that counts, but. Well, no, I got two locals. Got two I got two locals. Luciana. Oh yeah. Lucy. Yeah. That's what my dad. That's what my daddy used to call him back at when he when he was back in Groove Logic. So we call him Lucy. So like, what's up, Lucy? How you doing? Let's go. Let's go and play some gigs. So, uh, but my dad will tell you that story later. So, uh, right. but my guitar player will be actually will be Santana. That'll be my that'll be my guitar player. He's got such a familiar sound, dude. It's just he he, he but, hits three notes. And you're yep. Like, oh, Santana's playing guitar yep. tonight. 
Yeah, Jeff Beck's still my top Jeff guy. Beck, good I mean, player. Especially because he's in his 70s and he still plays like he's a, you know, he's a young man. Oh, yeah. So, rhythm section. Let's go, let's go. Which rhythm, which rhythm guitar, guitar or, or okay. Scott Henderson? I dig a lot too. Hey. You know Scott Henderson, yeah. I dig Scott a lot. I dig the fact that he's a great jazz player, but his blues playing, you know, it, what he says speaks to me. All right. You know, other than, than back, uh, yeah. Scott Henderson is a cat. Mine will be uh, John Mayer. I got I got John on my team. See, he for a rhythm guitar. Yeah, for rhythm, just rhythm. See, I like my rhythm guitar player to just. Play the guitar and not really. Not singing. Yeah, like yeah, he, just, I, just he has to know harmony and rhythm. Harmony and rhythm. That's all he has to know. And so for that, I was kind of gonna go Richie Sambora because yes. Richie doesn't sing. Yeah. He just plays really well. And though he is a lead guitar player, he can just play rhythm. He doesn't need to be heard. He doesn't blow your mind with a with a rhythm guitar player. But he got. Oh. <laughs> but you didn't know this, Jeff Lorber. From. He's a keyboard player. The Jeff Lorber. Jeff Lorber is a great guitar player too. He's a keyboard. No, is a that really a good, good songwriter, keyboard player. Got it right here. I got it right here. Yeah, uh, funky guitar player. American American guitar uh, keyboardist, composer, record producer. Uh, he's played with bands with the uh, the Jeff Lorber Fusion. Uh, but man, he's played. Uh, he's a superstar I, I, by affiliation. Dude, affiliation. he is superstar. Yeah, he's played with everybody. Well, uh, uh, or they yeah. want to play with him. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. right now, I'll tell you if I'm going to give love. I know he's not listening to this, but I'll tell you a local guitar player that I would love to jam with. John's, w- hold up. He played with John Schofield? Oh, no kidding. Holy sh- yeah, Wow. I'm going to, I will ask you this. Do you Ren- and Renny Brecker. Michael and Renny Brecker. Yeah, he's playing with everybody, bro. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I pulled him up. That's why I Oh, asked my him. gosh. Jeff Lorber, man. Jeff. This is, this is back in the day. Oh, man, that's my kind of jam. I would rock out for that. He, he wrote some good tunes. I played in a band we used to do this tune. That's just feel good music, bro. That's feel good. 314,000. 19 year old bass player on here. Especially that. that. Oh. That's feel good music, bro. That's real good. That's real music. There's a lot of local guys. I know there's rock as well. Uh, do you know Jeff Nolan? Yes, I know who he is. Jeff Nolan was the guy who got me my job at the Hard Rock. Um, he was the memorabilia curator. I know who he is. So he now works on the corporate level. Wow. That dude is one of the... I want to say he's... I think he's in his 40s now. Mid-40s? Late 40s. But okay. that dude, him and his wife play in a band. He's a guitar player and she's a bass player. And they are this adorable power couple. Hmm. They're so cool. He plays in a band called The Lutes. And the like, Lutes. Oh, yeah. Short for Quaaludes. 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 But then his, who else do they hang out with? And you probably know Joseph Martins. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph Martins. I know him. They're wonderful. They're in Juno. Smile. Um, we got a good laugh. Um, do you ever watch the cartoon Archer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you see the episode whenever she's with Kenny Loggins and they're playing the acoustic version of Danger Zone? It's Joseph Martins' wife. Really? Yeah, local girl. I couldn't believe it. I Wait, that's like, her on Archer? That's her singing. That's her wow. song. She sang that with Kenny Loggins. I was <laughs> I'm like, I know her. I've met her at a party before. I love Kenny like, Loggins. I had a buddy of mine was his musical director for about 10 years. Wow. So, yeah, played on my record. Uh, Neil Larson. Yeah. Yeah, Neil Larson was discovered by uh, by the Allman Brothers. And Neil Larson had a band called the uh, Feet and Lawson Band. Buzzy Feet and guitar player. Whoa. Yeah. Neil Larson. So, Neil Larson... 
He's got a bunch of solo albums too. He's a great player. After he left Kenny Loggins, he became musical director for Al Jarreau. Oh. I love Al Jarreau. Band Airtight, um, we were recording our third, third project or something like that. And some stuff we recorded, we never released it. Uh, I got him to come play keyboards and synthesizer and some tunes. I'll have to play you some of the tracks. Yeah, please some do, cool man. Stuff. He plays phenomenal keyboards, man. He's just got a great vibe. Uh, whenever he comes to Florida, we, we try to play together. His family lives in, his mom and dad live in uh, Sarasota. I would love to see him at Blue Bamboo. I mean, that would be a great place for him to, you know, well, jam. When, when is, uh, we should definitely like this. So when I don't do know yeah, when yeah, my yeah. show is there. I yeah, so what's uh, Social media, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook and all that. I have a music page. You can check it out and see where I'm playing. And, uh, it's on Facebook. Just Mark Claremont. Mark okay. Claremont. Uh, if you guys want to grab any drum lessons, grab some drum lessons from the Mark Claremont. Oh, drum lessons? Oh, yeah. I teach a oh music store here in town. What? I teach at St. Mash. Where? Uh, Lee Road. Lee Road. I've been there about yep. years, almost 10 years. Dude, that's brilliant. Go in. And I'm actually going to... I have a lot of great young students. I have, uh, you know, they bring me all the little, little guys. Little kids? Three and a half, four-year-old. Whoa. Play drums. So... I'm, I feel very lucky that I, I have a, a, a communication skill. Yeah. I can communicate with them where they can. They'll listen to me, and I get them playing. I got music. I got a plan. See, and I will, and I'm gonna take some lessons from you, man. I want, I want to get back on the kit and just, you just. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm still studying myself too. You know, I mean, life is about, is about a continuous, you know, thirst for knowledge. I, I still study. You know. Yeah, I just want to. I want to get back to Ken again, but man, I would love to take some make, take well, some you know, lessons I with teach, you, man. I, I, it's not the only thing I do. I, yeah. I also I, I teach martial arts too. And I, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. And, and I'm part of a, you. you know I'm part of a school that I've I've, I've been studying there with uh, these guys for 30, 30 plus years. You know, so yeah. that's something I enjoy doing. It keeps me young. It keeps me being able to play drums. There you go, man. And it also keeps me disciplined because sometimes being a musician, you know, it's easy to to to, to have bad behavior and be undisciplined. But the that's very true. Really keeps me focused you know and uh, keeps me playing and we're gonna get more rounds of this beer right here this Man, was this was amazing was, that was good that was beyond Ooh. good so with that being said we gotta say a special thank you to uh carl of course is always good to yes um if you'd like to come out here tonight when will you have this thing uploaded today or tomorrow? uh this guys uh if you guys want to hear this podcast this will be up this will be up tonight on spotify so make sure you guys are hearing this if you guys can i catch us tonight you guys can uh check out this podcast tomorrow uh, I'll tweet out about yeah. the podcast tonight. So, so you know because, that's right, guys. Um, so, for those of you who are hearing this now, hopefully you did come out and see us last night. And, that's uh, right. That's right. Uh, guys, hey, we. Let's do something together. Sometime. Yeah. Let's do something together. Let's do something together. Also. So, guys. From... Yeah, I don't. But, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that's right. I have, I have plenty of studios, man. I have friends that have studios all over the place. Yeah. Place. All right, guys. We're going to do. Then that'll be a great acoustic jam session, man. We'll be great. You on the kit and me on the keys? Yeah, man. Okay. It's happening. There you go, man. There you go. Percussion right. keys. I got a jazz. I got my just jazz don't, in the car for Just nice, don't baby. bang the keys too hard, no, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, I'm a rock star. I wouldn't dare. So, guys, that's right. So, that's right, guys. So, from all those here from the Goof Dog Podcast, my name is Remy, and always with me is the Drama Zant. It's been a pleasure, guys. And our special guest is Mark Claremont. 
Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, guys, we, this was a lot of fun. If, if, if we may, of course, I know how busy you are, but please, can we get you back on here again later? Of course, Dude, man. you're the thing. And, we'll, yeah. and Joey Heyman, we'll bring him, and we might bring another guest with him. Dude, so, you know, hey. That's right. All right, guys, from all of us here at the Goofed Up Podcast, thank you so much. Uh, you guys will catch us soon. I uh, want to give you guys more updates for our big 5-0 episode we'll be our 50th episode yes so we'll figure something out from all from all of us here at goofs podcast thank you so much you guys enjoy the rest of your friday take care awesome